Hello you, my name is Lauren Layfield and this is Your Next Podcast, the show the podcast fans everywhere have been waiting for. Finding a new show to listen to is, let's be honest, tough. There are just so many out there to choose from. And sometimes it can feel a bit like too much admin just to find a new podcast to enjoy. Believe me when I say I know how you feel. So that's why I'm here to do some heavy lifting for you. Every week, I'll bring you the first episode of a brand new podcast that I have tried and tested, ready for you to just get stuck straight into. Plus, if you follow your next podcast, more great suggestions will appear in your favorite podcast app. You'll automatically create a fail-safe list of five-star shows to pick from. So no more scrolling. Not today, Satan. This week, the show I'm recommending is The Overshare, hosted by Gemma Atkinson. It's a show that's not afraid to dive right in at the deep end. So if you're the sort of person who is better at big talk than small talk, this is the podcast for you. I had naturally a big breast, but my mum and my sister do. And yeah. I, my, my boobs were always big. And then I lost a lot of weight very quickly. And obviously mm-hmm. everyone knows boobs are primarily just fat, aren't they? And mm. a little bit of muscle. Yeah. So my boobs and bum disappeared and I ended up with like golf balls in socks. The Overshare really goes there on difficult subjects, tackling questions like, will I love my second child as much as my first? Sharing parenting fails and discussing how to deal with things like grief and toxic friendships. Gemma is such a brilliant choice of host for the show too. She's really relatable, she's trustworthy and and open and I love how she disarms her guests into opening up. It's a very companionable listening experience. No, no guy's not. worth it anyway. <laughs> not, unless unless it's Tom Hardy, I'm not changing for anybody. <laughs> yeah, they may be an exception to yeah. the rule, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you. Episode one of The Overshare asks whether we can ever be happy with our bodies. It's a big one. It's a question with an answer that probably changes on a daily basis for most of us and something Gemma herself has no doubt been reflecting on during her recent pregnancy. So this is it then. It's here. Welcome to The Overshare. We've spent so, so long working on this from the first thought to the name to the topics we want to discuss and we're really, really excited about what we've got coming up. Now, it's a very different project for me which makes it all a bit nerve-wracking as well. (laughs) I'm hoping you'll like it and hopefully you're going to stick with us for the journey of Series 1. It's called The Overshare and we really hope you find it a little safe haven away from the chaos of life to lose yourself in some hilarious often upsetting and sometimes very shocking stories from real life. And there's not a celeb in sight. You'll be pleased to know these are real people. The school-run ones, the people who've been cheated on, people who've lost someone, who have just got to get something off their chest or make us laugh ourselves silly. They're basically your neighbours or your sister or your best mate and they're all about to overshare like never before. In this episode, episode one, we're talking about our bodies why we sometimes love them, why we loathe them, why are we constantly messing about with them, 
We asked for your stories on changes you've made for the better or for the worse, and we got such a variety of stories back, so thank you. We were filtering through them all, and we had loads. It's much appreciated. Now, in every episode of The Overshare, we're going to have an expert on board to help us make sense of it all, basically. And the one joining us today is the wonderful Abby Blaze. She joins us. She's a life coach and a dating expert, and you'll be able to hear quite a bit from her throughout the series. Coming up in this episode... You could see my boobs come in the room before you could see me come in the room, basically. If I've ever, I was with a guy, the light had to be off because I didn't want them to see. But obviously to strangers in a bra and top, oh, she's got lovely boobs. Mm. But it's how you feel when you're on your own in your own body. What made you think that he wouldn't be interested? Facebook pictures can be deceiving when you see me in person and probably don't look the same. Anyone's name tattooed, it's it's got to be a no-no for me because you can't guarantee even family members you know at some point or other they're going to piss you off do you know what I mean Mm. before I was 14 I had these 30H boobs that were just absolutely crazy so our first guest welcome to the overshare it's the lovely Amelia hello hello how are you we're good thank you for joining us now I believe you're just down the road are you in Manchester city centre I'm not in the city centre I'm about a 12-minute train right away. Tell us about your story then. Take us back to the beginning. So, I had a breast reduction when I was 21. Mm. Um, I was a 30H. Um, I'm a 32E now. You could see my boobs come in the room before you could see me come in the room, basically. It was... They were huge. I was... I'm 5'3", so I'm quite a tiny person. I kind of... I started growing boobs at 11, like everybody everybody does. You get excited about it. It's like, yes, I'm becoming a woman. Um, went to Minnesota with my grandma before high school got fitted for my first bra and then before I was 14 I had these 30h boobs that were just absolutely crazy um but I had back pain neck pain and everybody was just like we can't actually do anything for you because of the it's 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 your boobs at the end of the day we can't do anything do big boobs run in your family well my mum's got a good pair but they are smaller like the she's probably a c that kind of my grandma doesn't have any at all she always says that i it's skipped two generations and i got just her share as well definitely not 30h now 30h is is a is a massive massive size and it's technically you always assume well a lot of people assume if someone's got massive breasts then they're a, a bigger person like but you being five foot three you're very petite so I suppose yeah and I've never been over nine stone either so I've always been tiny 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 and that's where I think my back pain comes from because well I know that's where it comes from because it's just like a crazy imbalance and it's bizarre the different reasons for boob augmentations I had my boobs done I was like 22 and I'm now 38 so a long time ago I had naturally big breasts, but my mum and my sister do. And yeah. I, my, my boobs were always big. And then I lost a lot of weight very quickly. And obviously mm-hmm. everyone knows boobs are primarily just fat, aren't they? And a little mm. bit of muscle. Yeah. So my boobs and bum disappeared and I ended up with like golf balls in socks. So okay. I had I had mine done because I lost confidence in how they were. Yeah. To how, so for me, I was like, I want them back to being big again because it makes mm-hmm. me feel like myself again. But I'm, I've am i got broad shoulders, I'm 5'9". So it was more in proportion. But then on the other end, there's people like yourself who are in agony with a big bust. And I imagine 
especially as a young woman, there was a lot of unwanted attention from uh, from the opposite sex or older guys oh, thinking you're older God. than what you yeah. are. It would be, say, weird, weird, weird stares on holiday, like the people around the pool, on the beach, like thinking, oh my God, this 14-year-old's walking around and she's had her boobs done. It's like, that's not the case at all. Or you get really just horrible people just going up to you and just thinking that having a touch is fine. It's like, absolutely mm. not. It wow. is, I had, I've had that twice where it's like, people just think, and I'm not trying to get mine out. Like I, I never wore like revealing tops because I always wanted to conceal them, but they were there. You couldn't not tell that they were there and people would just take it upon themselves. It's like, no, that is not okay. It's not okay. And I always felt like I was being, I, as you say, like they make you kind of who you are, but they also come with so much stigma around them because obviously boobs are so sexualized which I think that's also why it's maybe harder to get a breast reduction on the NHS and it's kind of like seen more as a cosmetic procedure rather than a it needs to happen to help somebody's health. I imagine Abby that's like a psychological pain that's associated not just the physical back pain. Yeah and also you don't want to be your boobs do you like you said about it taking over your like identity it's like we're more than boobs but when like obviously when you have something that's different from like maybe like the average the attention is drawn to it and that must have like a huge impact on your mental health yeah because I remember at prom I was in my dress I felt so so good and then there's this guy that I've probably spoken to twice we weren't friends hardly knew each other um but it was at the end of the night when everybody was getting pictures taken together and he says oh I need a picture with the girl with the boobs and it's like I really tried my best at prom to conceal them. And then for somebody to say that at the end of the night, I was like, oh, is that what I'm going to be known for in high school? Like the girl with the boobs. I mean, how did you feel the day of your surgery? I'm assuming it's a pivotal moment. You know it's going to be done. I'm assuming you were excited. A little bit nervous, maybe? I think I'd waited that long and I was so, so excited. Nerves only hit when I was actually walking through the surgery doors. When I was signing all the papers, having conversations with the surgeon, when he was marking up like a drone on my breast where I was going to make the incisions, I was just so excited. Like beaming from here to where me and my mum were like playing One Direction, having the best time. It was just such, such a great experience. That was in December last year. It, it obviously, what mattered to you because you've had a reduction anyway. But the thing with if anyone's listening, wanting to get bigger breasts, I remember when I went for mine, the surgeon said to me, Are you hoping to have children one day? I said, well, I don't really know. And he said, because they will change. Mm. You, you, you know, the breasts mm-hmm. change, they change month to month anyway, don't they, on, with your cycle. Oh and I, God, said, yeah. I said, no, no, it's fine. And he did it. And from breastfeeding two babies now and from them going massive in pregnancy to back down to normal, they don't look anything like what I paid for anyway. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No. They look they're back to golf balls in socks out of oh, a bra. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm glad I got to enjoy them in my, t- in my 20s, you know, uh, when I was more bothered about them. But what advice uh, would you give Amelia? Because obviously if you went private, was it expensive? Oh my God, yeah. I'm still paying for it. And, and it's... Yeah, it's it's a massive, massive debt. It's not something that we took lightly. It was loads of conversations with me and my dad and my mum. But it was one of those where it was, I want to enjoy going forward. I'm only young once, so get it done. Be confident. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing your story, Amelia. I'm gutted I've not actually seen your mum because I would have loved to have seen her <laughs> boobs. She sounds fabulous. <laughs> um, but no, thank you so much. And thank you for uh, oversharing with us.
No worries, I love Derbyshire. Have a fantastic day. And you, thank you. No worries, see you guys. guest is Amy. Amy, welcome to The Overshare. Now, we had a lot of stories uh, through about gastric bands. There was lots of split opinions on them. Some were all for it, some weren't. Tell us why you decided to have one fitted, because I think a lot of people will relate to, to your reason. Um, well, eight years ago now, um, someone from school got in touch via Facebook hadn't seen him for many many years and uh he's very very into fitness whereas I've not been so um I didn't think he'd be interested in me as I was so decided to take a drastic step and have a gastric band to try and lose weight and this was all to impress the guy on Facebook yeah oh gosh is that a common thing, people wanting to physically alter their appearance for someone else? Yeah, maybe not necessarily for some a particular one particular person, but a lot of people will like work on themselves in order to, you know, increase their odds of finding somebody that, you know, is aligned to them. And that might involve, you know, making little changes. Um, but I'm just wanting to check, Amy. Did he contact you first on Facebook or did you contact him? No, he did contact me. Which might make you think that he was quite happy with the way that you were because he made contact with you. What made you think that he wouldn't be interested? Facebook pictures can be deceiving. When you see me in person, I probably don't look the same, maybe. Yeah, I get that. I, 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 have, I have friends who they'll only take photos from certain angles and because they don't want to be seen like as the full body and this and that. And I always say to them, yeah, but... You've got with so much more to offer. I know mm. it's easier said, and I completely I understand, Amy. I mean, I've I had a baby um, eight weeks ago, and with this second pregnancy, I put on three and a half stone. I had so much water retention. Um, everything was inflamed, and I I felt shocking. <laughs> and people would say, "Oh, you're pregnant. It's normal." But when you're I don't when you're so set on wanting to look a certain way or being used to a certain way. I completely know what you mean in that. It doesn't matter what anyone says of, mm -hmm. oh, you've got a lovely personality, but you've got a pretty face, but you're funny. You think, piss off. I don't feel like that. Mm. I feel like when I look in the mirror, I'm not happy. And it's the same for so many people. You look at people things online constantly. You're constantly bombarded with images of people who look perfect and they don't even look like their own images and I'm not criticising anyone for posting different types of pictures and all of that but the way that the world is now is that we're just bombarded with these images and it's really, really difficult as a human being to not make a comparison between yourself and someone else and feel like, oh, I'm not good enough. Was the gastric band a success? As it, as no, it it's made me quite ill. I can't eat normal foods because I'm sick. So the only... Foods I tend to eat are what I can get away with eating, which is things like chocolate because it doesn't upset my stomach. So obviously I can't get the weight off because I'm constantly eating sugary type things because crunchy type foods, which is how it's supposed to work, is if you eat crunchy type foods, when it goes through the band, it should be making your stomach feel like it's full. But they just end up, I feel like it's stuck 
in my throat and I have to be sick. Was this gastric band done privately or on the NHS? No, it was private. Do your family and friends know about it? Do you, did you keep it quiet or? Nobody knows, only my mum. Oh, Amy, no wonder that you you feel the way you do because it's it's hard enough going through a surgery, but to do it and not have anyone to to speak to, do you know what I mean? Because the, I'm, I'm assuming, well, I, I know there'll be people listening saying, oh, thank God she said that because the same things happened to me. We we had, uh, you know, we had a, a lady on another lady message us about a gastric band and obviously you're the one who's made it to the pod, but she had a similar story in that it worked, but only for a short term. And then she's back and she's bigger than what she was and she feels awful. Mm. So I know you will be helping a lot of people by by sharing your your story. And that's exactly what I wanted to do because it's not a quick fix. It's not a solution. I'm on waiting list on NHS now to get it out so I can do what I wanted to do and diet and exercise properly once it's gone, which is what I should have done in the first place, obviously. But um, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And with the guy who got in touch on Facebook, have you had any more contact with him? Yeah. We're still in touch, but it's just friends. And I guess feeling like you feel, do you, do you go out a lot? Do you do you socialise no. a lot? No. No, not really. I think it's hard as well because growing up in my teens and early 20s, I was size eight. I was very, you know, I could eat whatever I wanted, never gained weight. And then I was diagnosed with a medical condition. The drugs made me put the weight on. Didn't matter what I ate, I was gaining weight. And so that was outside my control as well. And I think in my head, I know what I used to look like and I felt confident then. So I can't seem to regain my confidence in the current body. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes a lot of sense. It's a bit like you having your boobs changed again. Yeah, to, yeah. Because of you, you knew what they were before. I hated the way they looked. And in a bra, they looked fine. But it'd be the whole kind of, if I've ever, I was with a guy, the light had to be off because I didn't want them to see... Um, but obviously to strangers in a bra and top, oh, she's got lovely boobs. But mm. it's how you feel when you're on your own in your own body. I think it can be a dangerous cycle, especially when, like you said earlier, Abby, we're bombarded with how we're supposed to look. And that changes as well. Like it's nonsense because if you think about it, it used to be very, well, this is my take on it. Mm. When I was growing up, it was very like, almost like pro-anorexia, like very skin, zero, you know, skinny, you know, Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie, that kind of type of a very, very lean. When they said nothing tastes as good as a skinny feels, that was awful. Yeah. (laughs) And then it went to the whole, the the Kardashians now where they want big boobs, big boobs, big bum. Yeah. And it'll change again. And also like now I feel like there's a lot of, um, this is probably just says a lot about me because it's on my discovery feed on uh, Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite into fitness and a lot of my, the stuff I see is very much like, this is what I used to look like when I was like not eating enough, really lean. Now I eat loads of protein and I lift weights and this is what I look like now. And I think that in a way it's positive because we're, we're moving towards, you know, not being super, super skinny, but also like, we just shouldn't be needing to have these conversations. Yeah. And also there's a lot of stuff on there where people like fat shame or skinny shame. It's like none of this should be going on. We should just be left alone. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I just wish that we were all a little bit less judgmental. How, how long is the wait for, the, for it to be out? I genuinely don't know. 
So your advice to anyone listening who's thinking of having a gastric band would be to avoid? Absolutely don't do it. It's not what you think it is. They sell it to you very differently when you go in for your consultations. Um, It's not the right way to go. It's not the healthy way to go. Thanks to you, Gemma, because I follow you on Instagram and I see how sensible you are in your approach to exercise and nutrition and everything else. It's really turned my mind around to how I see it. Oh, thank you. Feeling so much more like it can be achieved now. Oh no, thank you for coming on. And I, I, I was just going to say to you, like, with regards to the band, we always, well, I always think money would be better spent on people getting help with nutrition and with a PT. Um, and I know it's it's extremely daunting for some. You know, I get messages of women wanting to go to the gym, but because of how they look, they don't want to go in the gym. Mm. And I always say. But going to the gym, everyone's in there for the same reason. It's like if you go to the hairdressers, everyone's in there getting their hair done. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So no one will be like, oh my... For anyone to say, oh my God, look at her trying to better herself, trying to make herself healthy. <laughs> like, they, they won't do that. No. We, this is something called the um, spotlight effect, which is where we think as human beings that people are more everyone's focused on at, us. Yeah. Whereas actually when you're in the gym, but for myself anyway, I don't know how it is for the people. focused on themselves I'm in the mirror. I'm on me and I'm thinking about my body. <laughs> the guys, <laughs> I'm not the guys at especially else. look at their own bodies, don't they, in <laughs> <Yeah>. the gym? <laughs> Flexing yeah. and taking selfies. <laughs> Before you go, Amy, I just wanted to add something, which I don't know whether it will bring you any comfort or not, but it might make you realise that you're very much not alone. According to the Mental Health Foundation, only 21% of adults are satisfied with their bodies. And according to the British Social Attitudes Survey, 26% of women have felt disgusted with their bodies in the last year. Oh my God, that's quite a sad start, isn't it? When you think, because no one should feel like that about themselves. That makes me sad, especially I think when you're a mum, the thought of any of my kids feeling disgusted about themselves, that makes me quite sad. Can I, can I ask, we've got producer Matt, from a from a, a man's point of view, Matt, obviously you're happily married with with children. Your your wife, in your eyes, is always lovely. If if she was to change, put weight on, lose weight, would it, would it does it bother you? I I think it would take a while to notice. First of all, but no, of course it doesn't. And you change as well. I was going to say yeah. I don't know any men, again apart from Tom Hardy, who've aged like a fine oh. wine. You guys get droopier and saggier in yeah, places too. We lose too. our hair, don't we? Go grey. All a mess. <laughs> that's the thing. That's why they always say to marry someone who, whose personality is better than their physicality because when you're both lying in your 70s in your armchair, you're going to want to have a laugh, not look at a six-pack. Yeah. Exactly. And we all want to be loved for our intrinsic qualities, not our external packaging. Yeah. You want to, you want them to say, oh, he's, she's a real... Fun, fun girl. She's a laugh. She's. But she's attractive, my wife. She's attractive. <laughs> oh, oh I've seen her. She's beautiful, and they've got they've got beautiful offspring as well. But in twenty years, you won't look the same, will you? Imagine Gorka's still saltering when he's like sixty odd. You oh, want he the might be. I can see that. No, not on my watch. You won't. Oh well, no. Thank you so much for coming on, Amy. And um, no, I really, really hope that you get that you get it sorted. But in the meantime, yeah, just keep keep doing things that you, you personally find make you feel good. Even in the morning, looking at direct sunlight or getting up and having a pint of water, kickstart your metabolism and, you know, little things that make you feel good about yourself um, and, and do it for you, no one else. Because no, no, no guy's well. worth it anyway. 
<laughs> no, unless unless it's Tom Hardy, I'm not changing for anybody. <laughs> yeah, they may be an exception to yeah. the rule, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you. So we also have lots of WhatsApp videos and uh, voice notes. They go through to producer Matt. He loves them, especially the videos. <laughs> One of them was from a lady called Kim. This is uh, Kim's story. Hi, Gemma. It's Kim Blake, but I prefer Kim. Um, so, yeah, I met a guy in 2002. Um, it was together a couple of years. Thought it would be a really nice gesture to have his name tattooed on my lower spine. Had a love art put on my back with his name. And then in 2016, I found out he was cheating on me. He'd been cheating on me for 15 months. Got another lady pregnant, knowing full well that I couldn't have children myself. So we split up. I'm now left with a tattoo on my back that I either have been told that I need a rather large tattoo to cover it up or have very painful laser tattoo removal. I'm now with a wonderful guy who is not impressed that I have this tattoo still on my back. Well, do you know, there's a thing I always say, and it's obviously no use to you now, Kim, anyone's name tattooed, it's it's got to be a no-no for me because you can't guarantee, even family members, you know, at some point or other, they're going to piss you off. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But... My advice to Kim would be to go for the laser because I've had laser tattoo removal on my lower back. I had, uh, it wasn't a name, it was a little angel. Well, it was a fairy from the Britney Spears album cover. I was a Britney Spears fan and I thought, I want an angel on my back. So I had that done, which obviously as an adult is horrendous. So I had laser tattoo removal on that. It wrecked Kim. It really wrecked, but it's short and sweet. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like do, 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 laser pain, and you, you, literally they can stop start, and you have it every like every six weeks. Gorka, when we first met, had his own name tattooed on his back. It was like he was in a. It was like he was wearing a football shirt. He had Gorka across his shoulder blades, which when I saw it, I said, "That's that's awful." And he was like, oh, I know, I hate it. So he had it covered and he's got now his full back tattooed. And he said covering over the old ink was really, really painful. And the tattoo guy said to him, well, it is because the skin's already damaged. So a tattoo on an old tattoo is going to be painful anyway. So rather than just cover it up and potentially mess it up, just get it lasered. Because the laser does really work. I had six sessions on mine and it's completely gone. I wanted to get a tattoo of like an infinity symbol or a feather and like my mum's initials or something to like memorialise her after she died. And I'm glad that I gave it a bit of time to make that decision because I thought, well, maybe I'm not in the right mind and I'm glad because now I'm just like, why would he have done that? I don't need that to remember my mum. To remember them, yeah. Yeah. And I think with with tattoos, so I mean, I had mine done in Magaluf. <laughs> it was in a Classy. little like a hut outside BCM. So clearly, I wasn't in sound of mine anyway. But a lot of people they do it as like you say, just on a whim, mm. and it's long to, especially like I mean, now my 
it's not a fear, but because Gorka's covered, I say to him, if there's ever a time when Mia or Tio say, can I have a tattoo? I will say absolutely not because I've had all of mine lasers apart. I've got one on my neck that I left just because I can't see it and doesn't bother me. But I can't say no to them because their daddy's covered. Mm. So how as a parent would you like stop your kid from doing something that you've already done? When it's, a, when it's physically there to see, they can say, well, you've done it. You yeah. did it. It's, it's going to be tough, isn't it, for, for anyone who's desperately trying to not have their kids do the same as them. Yeah. But I suppose that's the thing is that your kids have to learn from their own mistakes, not necessarily your mistakes. Oh, and also, even though you might regret it, like nowadays it's more common to have tattoos and like the younger generations are less phased by tattoos anyway. So yeah. in the past, it'd be like a lot more stigma to doing it. And like our older generations are much more judgmental. So it probably doesn't matter as much yeah that's now. true i didn't think of it like that now it's just kind of like yeah whatever they've all got them well our next guest is megan thank you for joining us megan um you've got your christmas jumper on i have to point that out megan is dressed for christmas <laughs> which i love um, we had quite a lot of tattoo stories through, but yours comes with immense complications. It's like a, a roller coaster. Tell us what happened. So uh, I got together with my now husband in 2011. Um, and 2013, I got a tattoo of his name, Liam, written on my shoulder. Um, and we had our ups and downs and we were a bit rocky, but we ended up having two kids. After we had our second kid, we broke up for a while. So I got it covered, and um, the only way to get it covered was to put this little bird on it. Um, it looks like, I think it's a swallow, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't have a bird. <laughs> it's got wings. Yeah, so I got that done, and we got married last year, and I decided to get the name put back on, but not in the same place. I've now got it on my chest instead. So you had Liam tattooed on your shoulder, you split up, yep. you've changed it to some breed of bird, but then you've yep. got back together. Has he got any yep. tattoos of your name? He has now. He didn't at the time of the first tattoo, but when I got the second tattoo, he did. How did he, do you know you got back together with him after you split up? How did he take the news knowing you'd replaced his original tattoo? I don't think he even noticed. We never talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> Does he know that you've got his name back? Yes. He, yeah, so he's not totally unobservant. <laughs> No, well, when I got it back, he got the my name, so it was kind of like a mutual thing then. Not to put a negative on it, hopefully you stay together, but God forbid, if you ever split up again, would you have it covered or would you just think, no, just put a cross through it? No, I think because it's the initials now, it's LA. Two of my children have the initials LA. Oh, so if you split up, you could say, I just went to America and liked it. Yeah. Or you could always just date people with the same name for the rest of your life. Yes. It yeah. narrows your search down, but it's... Uh, might be a good thing. Too much choice is yeah. never good. Ah, I can use it again, so that's fine. I'm not worried this time. And we were, we were saying earlier, my my kid's dad, he's full of tattoos. So if they want tattoos, I can't really say no. Would you be up for, if your kids come home and said, Mum, I want all the tattoos you've got, would you be up for them having tattoos? 100%. My actual, my 15-year-old daughter, we went to Spain and she got her first tattoo in Spain. Oh, really? What did she get? She got a wee mental health symbol on her hand. We've all got it now. I've got it, my husband's got it, and she's got it. And when my children grow up, the other children, I think they'll get it too. It'll just be like a wee family symbol now. Oh, well, thank you, Megan, for sharing your story. I'm glad we've had, a, like you say, a positive tattoo story. You've, you've made tattoos sound fun again. Thank you. So up next on The Overshares, we discuss bodies that we love and love. We have Heather. 
Hello, Heather. Thank you for joining us. You've had an amazing weight loss story, haven't you? But take us back to the start because you've obviously come out the other side, but you, you really struggled to get the help you needed. Is that right? Yeah, I was struggling with mental health. I was suffering with depression. Immediately was put onto antidepressants. They did put me for group therapy, but that didn't personally work for me. I ended up taking myself off the medication, cold turkey. And I was never asked if why. I was never asked why. I got completely, I was a classic case of getting like lost in the system. The amount of people who say to me, I've been to a doctor or a medical professional and said I'm feeling down and they've given them tablets mm. without first saying to them, how much exercise are you getting? How much fresh air are you getting? How much social activity are you getting? And what are you eating? And I guess with the tablets, I mean, in, in some cases, well, a lot of cases, the antidepressants are needed and they will, they will work. But there's always side effects, I think, to any medication you take, even if, you know, the contraceptive pill or, you know, anything like that, there's always going to be some kind of side effect. Whereas a walk in the fresh air is free. How, how long were you on them for and why did you decide to come off them? I think I was on them for the best part of a year. And I came off them because I went to the doctors for a routine check. So she was just running through and she says, like, your blood pressure is a little bit high for your age. And then she, she says, but you are overweight, Heather. And I was, I was, I knew I was, obviously. But I was, she informed me I was overweight. And I said, well, what can I do about it? Whilst I'm on these tablets, I'm overweight. What can I do about it? And she said to me, you can either be fat and happy or skinny and miserable. Oh, my God. And I thought, okay. <laughs> um, and I just thought, I'm just going to be on a merry-go-round here. I'm just going to be stuck. And the thing is, I was on these tablets, but I was like a zombie. Yeah. Yes, I was, they were antidepressants, but I felt nothing. So I didn't cry. You could have had a go at me and I wouldn't have felt nothing because I was just like a zombie. You know, that's not living, in my opinion. No, and the whole fat and happy or skinny and miserable, how about just healthy? <laughs> you could just yeah. you could just be healthy. Need to be either or. Yeah, you could just, you know, eat 80% what your body needs, 20% what you want now and again, your pizza, your yeah. chocolate, and, and, and get out well, of there. Well, that's my ratio. Yeah, I always, I always just do sort of 80-20. I've never done a diet in my weight loss, um, so I've lost 11 stone at uh, 7. <gasps> wow. And, uh, that's like another whole human. Yeah, it's That's crazy. Amazing. <laughs> just keep tipping away. Thank you. And I've just done counting calories and just eating eighty twenty. Just you know what's right. You know what's. I hate it. The term bad food, good food. It's all about balance. Yeah. It's all about just being healthy and mindful what you put into your body because what you you are what you eat. Yeah. If you eat rubbish, you feel rubbish. Yeah, that's exactly right. What I would say is, if you came off the pill, the doctors would be sending you messages and they'd be on your back all the time. But if you come off antidepressants, they don't they, they don't even notice. Why is that? I guess, Abby, coming off medication safely has to be at the forefront because I've I've done what you did, Heather. The, after my mm. birth with Mia, I wasn't on antidepressants. I, I was on really strong pain medication because I had a hemorrhage in an emergency section. Yeah. And the pain medication I was on made me feel so... I didn't even feel safe holding her because it made me feel dizzy, I just wasn't myself and I just stopped taking them because I thought I'd rather have the physical pain in my scar area than the mental yeah. whirl of where am I, what's happening, I've just had a baby but I can't do anything and the doctor actually, I rung them up and said, I'm not taking these anymore, they're not right for me and they kind of said, okay, it's up to you but wean yourself off them but I didn't, I just stopped as well and I'm assuming that's not 
great to do, but... I'd say not. I mean, in, in Heather's case, it's obviously worked out really, really well and she's found... You've found something that's helped and it, it's worked out. But for some people, it would be dangerous to just stop your meds. So I think if I was, like, advising people more generally, I'd say speak to your doctor and come off your meds slowly. I think it is a bit alarming that they didn't follow you up, Heather. I feel like yeah, you, know, you have been let down a little bit there. The fact that you took that into your own hands, your own, like your body's the only place you have to live. You've got to look after it, whether we like it or not. We have to look after it and the better you treat it, the better it'll treat you back, especially, you know, later in life. Because people always go like, well, I eat what I want, I smoke and drink and I'm nearly 90. But it's, it's the quality of life. Like my granddad, God love him, he was an amazing granddad, the best granddad ever, Granddad Norman. Um, but the last six, seven years of his life, he lost both his legs, he had a stroke, he couldn't communicate. So he was just sat in a chair and it was because probably, you know, he smoked about 50 a day back then. They did without bothering, didn't they? Yeah. Whereas yeah. now my stepdad, so my kid's granddad, he's 75. He plays football with her. He's on his hands and knees. He's on the trampoline. So it's not necessarily the length of your life. It's the quality. And that comes down to, you know, two fundamental things ahead of everything else and it's nutrition and moving yeah. that's all it is and you're not yeah, a PT. You are you a yes. PT so you help other people and I guess the good yeah. thing about that if I came to you as a PT the reason why I would believe in you and know that you have my back is because you know what it feels like to be on the other side when you go to a PT who's been slim all the life you think you've no idea what it feels like and that's what I'm doing with my clients you know I've, I've been there I've done that I've got the t-shirt I know what it's like it's not easy but it's a way of life that will change your life for the better mentally and physically I think it's awesome Heather's whole story and I'm a real advocate for exercising um but I think there will be some people sat there thinking oh we've tried the exercise thing and it didn't not work worked. for me yeah so for those people I'd say that's pretty normal and whilst exercise is a great tool for mental wellness it could be something else that's causing your feelings of depression so it could be you know I mean Heather you've added actually another element that's quite good in terms of you've got work that is significant to you so you have meaningful work so if someone's in a job that they hate no amount of exercise is going to change the fact that they hate the job and it's making them depressed so when you go to the doctors like yeah the first response probably shouldn't be let's put you on medication it probably should be more and maybe there's just not time for this because there's not the resources, but it should be more of a let's explore what's actually happened to you in your life because there's a reason for this and it might be coming from the environment or the way that you live in or something that's happened or mm. you don't feel significant, you're worrying about the future too much or, you know, something's happened. And maybe exercise would help. I find exercise hugely helpful. So yeah, you really saw them it. hormones that but just maybe other good. things need to be addressed too. Yeah. So don't give up if the exercise doesn't work. No, keep keep trying. Try out different things and speak to a therapist as well, if you can. Obviously, it's one of those things that, you know, if you can, you can get it on the NHS, but there might be a long wait list and it is a bit of a luxury to be able to afford therapy. Thank you so, so much, Heather. Congrats on your journey. I, I think it's Fab 11 you. Stone. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks, nice talking to you. Thank you so, so much to our guests today who dared to come on and talk about their bodies. I know it's daunting. Abby, thank you. We'll be seeing you again, no doubt. And don't forget to leave us a review and store our details. You can WhatsApp us on 07761 039 898 
or you can email us at theovershare at bowermedia.co.uk. That's theovershare at bowermedia.co.uk. And if there's anything you'd love to hear us talk about, let us know. We love having your ideas on as well. The Overshare is produced by Matt Foister for Bauer Media. And this is just the beginning, guys. There's many, many more real-life head-turning stories to come. And we'll hopefully see you soon. I think that's cracking advice. I feel like you've done my job for me, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I can just sit here and relax. To make sure you don't miss out on any of these big conversations, search for The Overshare on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you find your podcasts. Once you've tapped follow for that show, don't forget to do the same for this show too, so you can always find your next podcast. All my recommendations from the whole series will be on Podcast Rex at www.podcastrex.com. That is www.podcastrex.com. <laughs>